Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. John chapter 12. You know, we go through the Bible because when you read the entirety of the Bible, you're going to get the full counsel of God's Word. That's really important because so often you might just get a pastor's favorite topics. Well, as we look at the entirety of God's Word, we begin to get a balance of God's wisdom. That's what you need. That's what I need in my life. And so as we look at this today, let's pray. Father, as we come to your word, we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Give us your wisdom and your guidance. God, that your words would would go into our heart and become part of us. And so now as we spend this time, may you touch every heart listening in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've been going through the book of John, we're going to go back to verse 37. Uh, and bring us uh, up to the end of the chapter. And, uh, you know, really, when we look at this, if you don't understand the entirety of the Bible, some of this might not make any sense. And so let's look. It says, But although Jesus had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. Oftentimes they say, Oh, if somebody could just see a miracle, they'd believe in God. Well, the problem with that is they saw a lot of miracles that Jesus did and they didn't believe. Is this the first time that happened? No, not at all. In fact, if you go into the Old Testament, we remember Pharaoh saw many miracles at the, at the, at the hand of Moses and of God, and yet his heart was hardened. The more miracles that, that uh, Moses did before Pharaoh, the harder, the Bible says, Pharaoh's heart got. Now, the Bible says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. People would say, well, what kind of a loving God is it that would, that would harden somebody's heart? Well, what the Bible doesn't say is how he didn't. How did God harden Pharaoh's heart? How did God harden the hearts of the Pharisees? The more miracles that Jesus did, the harder their hearts got. If you're in a posture not to receive from God, you will not then interpret what God is doing for you. You will not see God in your life. This is one of the great problems, friends, that we have in the world today, is that people don't want to see God in their life. They want to exclude God from everything. In fact, we have a society right now that wants to exclude Christ and God from any aspect of our, of our lives, even down to nativity scenes in city parks. In fact, I had a call this week on Every Man and Answer. They asked the question, well, there's a group of Christians that don't want to celebrate Christmas. And I said, oh, well, they're joining right in with the ACLU and the Satanists and all those that want to strip God out of our country. You know, sometimes you can tell if you're on the wrong side of the fence by the company you keep. Well, was Jesus born on the 25th of December? Probably not. Now, there's a possibility he could have been, but probably not. But here's the point. It's a day the world recognizes that Christ was born. 
and take advantage of that. Use that to preach the gospel. In other words, we have to have an eye to see where people are at. But the world today wants to strip God from every aspect. Even the miracles they want to deny. This was the problem with the Pharisees. It was the problem with Pharaoh and the others in the Old Testament. And it is the problem in the world today when they see the miracles of God that God does through you and me. People see the hand of God in your life. Why? The Bible says we are his workmanship. What does that mean? When people can't see God physically, they can see you, his handiwork. Does that mean you do everything right? No. But what it does do is even when you mess up, God makes that mess up something great. Only God can do that, friends. We've shared this many times about false religions. Oh, they'll tell you how to get right with God. Go burn so many incense sticks or go pray so many prayers or, or, or uh, uh, go do some kind of mantras or something like that. Then you'll get on the good side of God. But they never tell you that God will fix your problem. It's because they have a powerless God. It's a God that they designed. But our God is a God that not only heals when we ask him, not going through all the rituals of trying to appease God. That was then when Jesus died on the cross. But our righteousness comes from him and God restores us. Isn't it nice to know that you have somebody on your side that wants to repair you, that wants to fix your life, that wants to put back into your life what the enemy has stripped out of your life. Do you know the enemy wants to destroy every single child of God? Do you know what Paul says in the Bible that that Satan studies us like a general would study a city that he's trying to destroy? Looking for the weaknesses, looking for the areas that aren't protected. Isn't it nice to know you have a God that covers those areas, that alerts us to those areas? Notice here again, it says, but although Jesus had done so many signs, by the way, so many signs in the Greek, it means numerous and various. He did a lot of signs. He didn't do just one over and over again. He did a lot of signs and he did them in various ways. I often think about the guy that came to Jesus, and he wanted his sight back. We remember Jesus spit on the ground. Something is worthless to spit, but in Jesus's, in Jesus's world, it's valuable. Put it on the man's eyes, said, go wash. He washed, he received his sight. To another man who was blind, Jesus said, receive your sight. I could just see these two guys walking down the road. Old mud in the eye and no mud in the eye. Well, how did Jesus heal you? Well, Jesus just spoke the words and I could see. What about you? Well, I had to go wash my eyes out after he made mud and put them on it. No, you've got to have mud. No, you don't. You just have to let... And I can just see oftentimes, sometimes people that would even bicker in the way God does his miracles, but they're various and they're many. And you and me are living examples of the power of God. It drives the world nuts. Why is that? Because you're an undeniable 
demonstration of the power of God and the resiliency of God. All the way through the Bible, you see great people of God, just like you. And you see all the way through the Bible, those same people do things that God sometimes didn't like. Look at David and Bathsheba. And yet David returned back as king. It drove them crazy over that. You know why? Because you are designed by God for a purpose. Isn't that great to know? You are not a cosmic accident. No matter what the colleges and the high schools of America teach your children, you're not a cosmic accident. Lightning did it hit a swamp, add a couple billion years, and here we all are. You are designed by God for a purpose. In fact, the very next chapter, chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Jesus knew his time had come. Do you realize that you are being designed by God for a purpose, a place, and a time, and God refines us for those purposes? If you lose sight of God, you'll lose sight of your purpose. If you lose sight of your purpose, your life will be meaningless. Why do you think there's so many people that clam on to these different movements that are out in the world? Well, I want to be of importance, so I've joined Save the Seals. Well, that's great. Save the seals, but lose your soul. That makes a lot of sense, don't it? Well, I'm part of Save the Earth. Well, I'm for saving the earth too, but in a different way. I want to see the earth saved. I want to see the people of the earth saved. When you save the people of the earth, the earth will take care of itself. Majoring on the minors, minoring on the majors, that is the way the world works. But you are children of light. We're different. We're designed by God for a specific purpose. Now, you say, well, Jesus' time had come. Was Jesus being in preparation for his purpose? No, Jesus was perfect. But he was preparing those around him for what he was about to do. Do you realize that in the process of God teaching us what we are going to do for him, you affect other people's lives, and they are getting ready for what God's going to do in your life. And they may or may not receive it. And friends, this is the hard part. Because a lot of times we think, well, everybody's going to be so overjoyed that God is using me in his kingdom. <laughs> no, that's not the way it works. In fact, the more miracles Jesus did, the more the Pharisees were saying, we can't do that. Let's kill him. Now, that's weird to me. You would think an obvious demonstration of the power of God would directly lead people to God. But it doesn't always. Sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. As we read on here, we'll see why. That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke. The Lord who has believed our report. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? By the way, he's talking about, Lord, who's believed what we've had to say? Uh, who's God revealed himself to? You know, if you're born again here today... You have had a revelation of who God is. Isn't that amazing? People have sat back to me and said, you know, I just wish I could hear the voice of God. You know, and we often wonder what that's going to sound like. 
like something off an old Cecil B. DeMille movie of the Ten Commandments. Oh, my sons, 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 sons. With full reverb and Dolby sound. Oh, my sons, 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 sons. I want you, want you, want you. Do, 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 do. Go, 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 go. Yeah, that's God. But you know what's really amazing? Every one of you, if you're born again here, you've heard the voice of God. You have. You've heard the voice of God. Isn't that amazing? When you heard the gospel that Jesus died on your cross, on the cross for your sins, and there was a little voice inside of you said, this is for you, this is for you, that was God. Otherwise, you would have not answered the call. Now, hardening a person's heart against the obvious things of God oftentimes does not lead for God to do greater miracles, but lesser miracles. In other words, if you won't accept what God is willing to do right now, oftentimes the world says, give me, give me more. God says, no, you didn't do anything with what I gave you. Now you go back to the parable of the talents, it makes a little bit more sense then. What did you do with what God gave you? If you buried it in the ground, don't expect any more from God. Jesus said that. But if you went out and taken what God has given you, he'll give you more. You see, we have a God of abundance. God made everything from nothing. And and we've shared this before, but now we know what the atoms are and how all matter is made of nothing but electrons and protons and neutrons, and they're all swinging around each other, depending on whether they're metal or glass or whatever, made everything from energy. By nature, everything should repel. Many people believe that when the earth melts with a fervent heat, God just simply lets everything do by nature what it would normally do. And that's like charges repel. Every atom literally just explodes. You see, God holds all things together. used to drive people crazy. On my toolbox, I still have when I used to work at a dealership. On one of my drawers, there's a bumper sticker that says, God holds it all together. He does. Holds us together. Holds the world together. God is a God of resource that can put into our lives what we need according to his plan for us. You're not abandoned. God didn't save you to just let you, well, I hope you figure it out out there. But he saved us for his purpose, for God's purpose. And our time will come. Now, friends, God is restoring you, rebuilding you, and in the process, a testimony to those around you. You are a living demonstration of the miracle-working power of God. Therefore, verse 39, they could not believe because, again, Isaiah said, he's blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts, lest they would see with their eyes, understand with their heart, lest they would turn so that I would heal them. Why does it say that God hardened their heart? How did God harden their heart? Was God up in heaven going, I shall harden their heart and then punish them? You know, there's a lot of goofy people that don't read the Bible, that teach the Bible, that believe that's what it says. It's an embarrassment. And then in the same breath, they'll say, and God is a God of love, and would you give him your life today? Well, a God that hardens people's hearts and then fries them, I think I'll step aside, thank you very much. 
So what's the solution? What do we understand? What does God in the Bible ever say that he did as God says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart? What did God ever do to Pharaoh? He showed him his undeniable power. That's what he did. In fact, that's all he did. And every time Pharaoh saw it. Now, what causes a person's heart to get hard? I've wondered about that a lot in my life. Sometimes, friends, hardening a person's heart against God is based in disappointment. I asked God to do something, and he didn't do it. And I'm mad at God. I've seen that. It can happen when you're a child. Well, I asked God to save my dog that got hit by the car and it was laying there. Oh, God, save my dog and the dog died and God hates me. I'm not a God. You ever been around people like that? I have. Some people harden their heart against God because of ignorance. They think God will do things that God really, according to his word, is not obligated to do. Well, you know, God, if you really love me, let me win the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. God, if you really love me, when I pull the handle down, I'll have all sevens across the front of the jackpot. It's weird what people think. And when God doesn't do that, they get angry with God. Disappointment, ignorance, sometimes it's arrogance. Well, if I was God, (laughs) let me tell you, everything would be a whole lot better off. You let me run it all. See, arrogance can cause hardness of heart. That's Pharaoh's problem. Pharaoh thought, I don't know who you are, Mo, but you're in here telling me to let your people go. You're a a hippie. You live out in the desert. I'm the king. You're telling me? Hey, out of here, dude. Moses said, okay. How'd you like to drink blood for a while? And the river and the waters and the basins and everything became blood. What's amazing there to me is that God did miracles that should have broken his heart, but instead he rebelled against them. When God shows a person his power, it demands from us a response. The response can either be a softening of the heart or a hardening of the heart. Now let's look on here and we'll see. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because the Pharisees, because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Jesus, lest they would be put out of the synagogue. Wow. So in other words, if I confess Christ, I'd be put out of that particular group. I don't think I should be in that group anyway. You know what I see in this verse? Be careful of the friends you pick. And be careful of peer pressure, because peer pressure will never mandate or dictate the purposes of God for your life. When you look through the Bible, 
you'll see that many times it was only one person that made the difference. If you listen to the beat of the drum of others, you will never become what God wants you to be. God made every one of us look different. And he made us look different for a reason. It's because we are different. And because we are different, we have a different calling in our lives to be about what God wants us to be. I cannot be, God does not have, you ever watch people make cookies? Especially with a cookie cutter. They roll the dough out and then they get out the Christmas tree tin thing and they go, making them all the same. God didn't do that with you and me. There are circumstances that surround your life that make you uniquely different than anybody else. There are circumstances that God has placed you in in your life where only you saw the hand of God work. Don't ever discount that. You know, sometimes in my life when I go through a hard trial, I think back when God was faithful. I was up against the wall. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about in your life, where you know there was no way out but up. God delivered. You have to remember that. Because in life, you will be in issues in your life where your back will be against the wall, and you will need to remember how God was faithful in the past. He's a good God. And I forgot you. He knows you. Not to say, well, God, you know, if you really love me this time, you'll get me out of this. You're his kid. God always has the best for us. Now he says, because they were afraid to confess Christ, they would be put out of the synagogue. Sometimes, friends, it's better to make a stand for God and be put out of their club than it is to remain neutral and stay in a bunch of deadheads. That's why you can never play to the crowd as a Christian. You know, just do these things and you'll be loved by everybody. I don't want to be loved by everybody because I see a world that is lost. And if I'm being slapped on the back by people that are going to hell saying, right on, man, you're all right. I got a problem. That's why when people say, well, we don't celebrate Christmas because, you know, Jesus wasn't born on that day. Oh, yeah. Well, great. Great. Again, as I said earlier, you and the Satanists and the ACLU and all those who want to strip God out of our country and take our manger scenes out of the city park and remind the world that Christ did come to this earth. Yeah. Look around. See who your friends are. And that'll give you a pretty good idea where you're going. See, we don't want to do that. See, we we have an image. And this is why people don't come to Christ, friends. Because we have an image of ourselves. And Jesus comes along and says, can't go for that. Well, I don't want to hear that, Jesus. I want to think that, you know, after putting you in my pocket, I climb to the top. God goes, listen. The Bible says, narrow is the way to heaven. And broad is the road to destruction. And if you find yourself on a road and you look around and the best friends that you have are people who hate God, there might be an issue. Might be. 
So we have to look and we have to consider, God, where am I going? Again, it isn't in the multitude of people that God does things. It is in the sincere minority. Look through the Bible. See what you find. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.